Yeah, well, thank you, Mr. Cope, for joining me today for the first episode of the Intangible Podcast. This Thank is you so fantastic. Much here. It's yeah, my could, pleasure. Yes. Let's could do you, it. Could you just talk a little bit about yourself and, I mean, jazz, but not jazz. Anything you'd like. Yeah. Anything you'd like. Well, I'm a saxophone player. I'm based in London in the UK. And I uh, I studied at the Royal Academy of Music, but it's quite a long time ago now. It's about a decade um, on their, their jazz degree which is kind of a newish thing still. Like people used to go and learn jazz by playing and hanging out, but I don't think we have enough gigs and enough venues. So everyone's getting on courses and kind of having to make it happen that way. And uh, I realized on one gig that talking to the audience was at least as much fun as playing. And so I wanted to make a an outlet for where I could connect with other musicians and create more time together where we were hanging out. But basically it was online. So a podcast was perfect. So I've been running the jazz podcast for, for five and a half years, yeah. 191 episodes. Wow. And um and just like like what was what we're here to talk about, documenting the scene, figuring out what people mm-hmm. are up to, making a kind of a record of what jazz is like in in the in the early twenty first century. What gigs are people doing? What are they playing? So um, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I guess I'll tell you a little about about myself and my relation to jazz as well. So. I, I actually lived in Europe until a few years ago. I lived all over Europe. I lived in Greece. And then actually I moved to Asia, to China. And then I moved to Germany. And the whole time since since I was five or six years old, I'd be playing classical piano, right? Your average scales, Mozart, Beethoven, slowly getting into the classical piano. And I I started, took the ABRSM exams. So um the i don't i think they're related to the royal school they are they are yes yeah so i think i got to grade six of that i want to say before i moved to to new jersey and here under a great conductor i got into jazz the first day i came came to new jersey in middle school in eighth grade they told me they needed a pianist for the jazz band and i was like i have no idea what i'm going to be doing but sure i'll try it out and here Great. we are four years later, and it's one of my biggest passions, I'd say. Probably the biggest passion that I have to this day. Yeah. It's fantastic. So are you tempted to try and make a career out of playing jazz? Uh, I don't think I'm good enough. You know, I don't think I'm good enough. I, I, I would love to, but I'm just, I think I started a little too late. No. A little too Do you late. know, until recently, I'd have thought that there was an age where you need to jump in there by, but... We did a podcast recently with Emma Ravitch and and she didn't even like, I don't think she was 15 until she bought her first saxophone. Mm. And now she's like 19 and she's got two insane albums out. So, and, and in fact, and I was hanging out with a guy last Saturday who didn't start until he was an, an adult, like he was maybe 40, 50 and, and now he's working professionally. So I think if you just practice really hard, it'll be fine. Yeah, that's that's inspiring. That's inspiring, and I I guess I I had a I had a question for you, and then we can discuss about this. And this might be a hard question to answer, but what would you say is your who's your favorite jazz musician? Both right. maybe both contemporary and both um, founding. You no, know? 
My favorite living jazz musician is um, is Chris Potter because he has everything in the saxophone that that makes it sound amazing. He's perfectly in tune. His technique is terrifying. He uses like what we call false fingerings. So every time he's playing certain notes that are always out of tune, he's doing things to control the saxophone. He's able to just play the instrument like it's not even there. It's no barrier. So I think like classical and contemporary musicians get a big kick out of that. Jazz musicians get a big kick out of how creative and how fast his brain works. So he's he's an irresistible um, force of nature. But um Actually, I've been listening to a lot of Mark Turner lately because he's another tenor sax player. He's just so creative. Um, he he's his brain is on a whole other level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. And then I suppose all I mean, if you went really back old school style, I've always loved Glenn Miller. I love the Glenn Miller big band, and also just listening. You know, Oscar Peterson. Again, I'm a bit of a of sucker for technique. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just i don't know since since you're from the uk um i don't know if you you, you probably know reuben fox do you know reuben fox no so i was i was just a few weeks ago i was at birdland in new york and i was listening to this really great pianist you know emmett cohen mm-hmm. so he has this great youtube weekly emmett cohen called emmett's place and he's he's got really really popular over the pandemic, and he brought over a, a UK saxophonist for the for the gig. He was great, Reuben Fox. Yeah, I really I really love Reuben Fox. I'm gonna have to check this out. Fantastic. So yeah, I, I I have to agree with you about Oscar Peterson. He's a probably my favorite out there. He's crazy. I like Bill Evans too. I think Bill yeah. Evans is, is great. Bill Evans you can really appreciate if you try and listen before Bill Evans, there's just nothing like it. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's his really sort of the birth of like modern jazz harmony in the way that we know it now. Yeah. His chord voicings and everything. Yeah, exactly. What we learned today. And for saxophonists, I'd have to say, maybe this is just because I've, Oh, Oh, cat. I'm so sorry about this. Oh. He's, he's assaulting me. <laughs> he's really cute. He's really cute. Yeah, just, just don't. You're not in this episode, George. This is not about you. It should be about him. <laughs> that can be the next show after this. Make a cats podcast when you just a cats deal podcast. With yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was saying, my I'd say my favorite saxophonist of all time would probably be John Coltrane. Maybe that's because I've really been into his like weird changes, like the giant step stuff lately. But mm. I'd say he he what he does on the saxophone is amazing as well. Yeah. It is it is frightening how he approaches and deals with harmony and how much he changed the game. You he know, did. he really did. Yeah, another one. If you go back before Coltrane, <laughs> I think when you when you're born after the event, the only way to really appreciate it is to go back and do the history properly and listen loads, and then you can really appreciate what a, what an impact Coltrane had by. Mm-hmm trying to find anything that you think might sound vaguely like it, like giant steps. There's, there's just, um, have you met Miss Jones, you know, and he's taken the bridge of that tune to create the whole concept of giant steps. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's fun. It's fun to look back and be like, how did that happen? It is. (laughs) It is. And kind of a similar question I have for you. Like what's your favorite style of jazz? 
Like there's so, there's so was, much out there. Yeah. There's so much out there, isn't there? It's such yeah. a broad term. I feel like jazz yeah. can be a dumping ground for stuff <laughs> where you're like, I'm not sure what this is. Maybe it's jazz. Maybe it's contemporary jazz. We'll just throw it in there. Um, if I was going to just listen, I tell you, there's a really accessible um, album which is the soundtrack to the the game L.A. Noire, which is made by Rockstar. But that soundtrack has Mark Turner on tenor sax and mm-hmm. Gerard Presenza playing trumpet, who's an English um, jazz trumpet player. I really love like contemporary, like contemporary jazz, stuff that's new, stuff that's happening now. I think when we talk about these great jazz musicians of the past, what they were doing was pushing ahead and pushing Mm -hmm. the boundaries and trying to really further the art form. And so that's the kind of music I get a big kick out of now is listening. I'm thinking for the listeners, if you want to hear something that's modern jazz, that sounds great, then go listen to some of L.A. Noir. (laughs) But um and it, yeah, everything new. I've got, I've got, I think most jazz musicians do very, very broad taste. You know, I'll listen to anything. And I think I know, I know your answer to the next question, but like a lot of, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people say that like old, old jazz is real jazz and new jazz is, is little, is, is not true jazz. What do you have to say about that? Well, yeah, like, <laughs> like yeah. we just said, it's, a, it's, it's a hard one because if you you can argue it the other way that yeah. if we just keep on playing 60s jazz 50s jazz you know miles davis and like kind of blue and playing so what that music was of its time and if i want to listen to that i'd rather listen to that than listen to a modern re reimagining i'd rather listen to something modern that's new and something old that's that that's old you know and and I think the best way to enjoy our art form is to enjoy all of it for the exactly. for the reasons that it was made and to enjoy going back through the history. You know, as a sax player, it's easy to be like Chris Potter, Michael Brecker, John Coltrane, you know, and then and then Charlie Parker, Sonny yeah. Stitt. You can just draw a little timeline for yourself. Yeah. It's all different, but none of it would exist without each other. Exactly. And 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 now we have the advantage of everything that's come before it. We can listen to that. So it, it's easy to look back and and judge, but it's very difficult without having lived through those periods for us to have a full understanding of it. So I think I think. There's a lot of great musicians. There's a lot of incredible creative music being made. Mm. I wouldn't worry about the state of jazz personally. I think yeah. we're in good hands. Yeah, and I, I just, I think a year ago today, almost like it was around this time, I found I my modern jazz. I was more of a big band type of like old jazz listener before, but I think a year ago today, I, I almost like I was really my eyes opened up to modern jazz with lingus like snarky puppies recording yeah that just really that really amazed me and it's really led me down this kind of i mean of course i still listen to the old tunes but it's really made me interested in the modern jazz scene so i think that's really that was a great recording for me yeah and it's there's a place for that there's a place for the old stuff and for us as students of the music i think it's important to know both ends of the spectrum you can't really really improvise 
fully and creatively if you'd skip stuff because it's there to help us and yeah. you know some of those older tunes have just incredible melodies and all the best musicians i know have listened to the old stuff and the new stuff mm. you know i remember actually the first time i met chris potter we were playing a tune uh, an arrangement of another brick in the wall pink floyd song in like seven four mm. and it sounded great it's really contemporary really cool and and um i asked chris as a favor would he play my friend's arrangement on the gig and he was like yeah man of course of course he was so lovely mm. but at the end he turned around to me and said you know sometimes i think we should just all be playing some glenn miller just isn't that music the best and i was like ah right then you know really caught me by surprise that yeah that but then you think like people like chris and um, um who else is alive um who's great everyone's alive who's great um blanking on the names of all the sax players i know all the best sax players i know can do impressions of the guys who've lived before them yeah. and be like parker sounded like this coltrane gets all of those impressions start to build you into the musician that you are as you find your own voice. It's a huge part of the language and the improvisation, of course. And I like talking about the British jazz scene. When when I lived in Europe, I, I don't think I really ever got in, involved in jazz. Maybe that was partially my fault. But what do you think of just like in general, the European and the British jazz scene? Is it is it there? Like, is it is it popular? Is the music popular over over in Europe? I think about this all the time because we have lots of well-attended festivals. In the UK, we don't have very much funding for the arts and, and a hilariously small amount of funding for jazz is terrible. Jazz survives because of like passion and community, yeah. people keeping it alive, not because it's well-funded, not because it's a great way to make any money or a living whatsoever. But there's a bit of a divide that nobody wants at the moment, partly because of Brexit, where it's more difficult for British musicians to get into Europe. Mm. I've been into Europe twice this year, and it cost me £500 more because I needed work visas. Um, and, and like that's for the whole band there, £500. And you've got to go through customs. You have to check all your instruments and gear and get stuck. You know, you used to just jump on the boat and go. And now it's like three hours and 500 quid extra minimum. And if, you know, custom, anyway, it's a problem. Yeah. But we have to work to get around that um, by doing stuff like this. But um, in answer to your question, it seems to me, you know, I was thinking about the WDR big band have all these amazing videos online that have, and I mean, no disrespect to the WDR, but I was watching some stuff last night. Some Bob Mincer is like mind blowing videos and they've got like 5,000 views. And I'm thinking, where is everyone? Why is nobody watching this? It's so good. But it's partly, there's a lot of stuff online. There's a lot of noise out there. Um, so I think it's hard it, when I see things like that, where I think if the WDR are only getting 5,000 views, then, mm. you know, it is, it's tough out there. There's a lot of different media vying for people's attention. So I think we have to be mindful that our art form is also entertainment. If people are going to pay for it, we have to give them a reason yeah. to want to pay for it, a reason yeah. to come back to other gigs, you know, so it's, it's tough out there, but I think, I think there's certainly a loyal audience that are really 
into our music and and that there always will be if we as musicians can do everything we can to keep ourselves afloat in the face of pitiful funding yeah yeah and i guess i guess looking looking at the other side of the stone right like what what do you what do you think we can as musicians or in general like what do you think should be done to really help preserve this art form because i i, I like it's so a lot it's there's no denying a lot of people say that jazz is a thing of the past that jazz is really that jazz lived had its time but i i mean i disagree i know i know that for sure but what do you say like we we can do to preserve this amazing art form i think that it's a very broad problem that we have essentially to factor in climate change, power cuts, lack of resources, fossil fuels, you know, is already this year, everyone's talking about in the UK, temporary power cuts, power going out for three hours at a time to try and make enough supplies. Stuff that's digital only is going to suffer from this mm -hmm. as time goes on. Albums that are only on Apple Music, only on Spotify, the power's off, you can't listen to them. So I think the slightly older jazz in the 20th century let's call it the heyday for argument's sake it's pretty well preserved because there's a lot of lps there's a lot of cds there's a lot of stuff out there that that i guess even lead sheets of bits of music there's in the royal academy museum i used to work as a steward and we had a whole you know collection of hundreds of kenny wheeler's hand-drawn manuscripts you know that oh. are preserved and kept there so there is and the, the the jazz podcast is archived in the British Library. So every episode I've made of that is is preserved by the government, I suppose, who I've just slammed their funding. But still, um, the British Library have a big catalogue. So 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 long as there's a, 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 a Britain, there will be the jazz podcast piggybacking along and people will be able to go there and listen in hundreds of years time to the shows and see what music was like but but to preserve it, it's hard to know when you we don't know the future what what's preservable and how to hang on to it so i think making art and continuing to make art and push the boundaries of our of our of our art form this is actually a great way to preserve it because it, it keeps it alive you know if we all stop playing then it's and stop creating then it's only a matter of time until everything will be forgotten. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we need we need to we need to do something about it. You know, so it's, that's and that's what panels everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's a big that's a big goal of the intangible podcast, right? It's not obviously the focus isn't just jazz, but I think I, I hope jazz can be one of the things that I do focus on because I really love the art form. But just learning about how to preserve these these different art forms and and just culture in general that's really important to a group of people or and is just important to all of us so yeah i think something has to be done for sure and i guess going going back to going back to a lighter lighter subject if if this is a, a hypothetical right if you could pick a lineup a big band of every every musician ever who for one instrument one person for each instrument who would you pick to hear play together just play some arrangements together 
I'm so relieved you said one person for each instrument. I was just thinking to myself, oh my goodness, like who am I going to pick for third trombone? I'm going to have problems. Um, that's a great question. Let's make this quick. I'm going to do it on instinct. If it's, let's say a crazy big band, even if these guys have never really been known yeah. for their big band playing, if it's piano, I'm probably going to go with Brad Meldow and then maybe Pat Metheny on guitar, Jack DeJanette on the drums, um, Charlie Hayden on the bass. I'm going to have, um, I'm probably going to play lead alto and let, <laughs> yeah. let Michael Brecker can play tenor. You know, <laughs> he and I can just banter away. And then um, on the trombones, I'm going to go with a, with a British treasure, Gordon Campbell. And um, for my trumpet player, I'm going to have, um, uh, let's have um, Dizzy Gillespie because that Ooh. would just be, that would be, be something fun, else. Yeah. That would be that would be fun to watch all those guys in the melting pot together, see what see what goes on there. I think I think Desi would have some songs that he'd want you guys to play. Yeah, <laughs> some hand drawn <laughs> bits of manuscript that would be worth thousands upon thousands of pounds right now. <laughs> yeah, and what what about the what about the baritone? Who's playing the baritone? Oh, Jerry Mulligan. Oh yeah, but you know. You have you heard? This is completely random. Just because I said baritone, have you heard about Leo P? No. Oh, have maybe heard, I have. Maybe he, I have. He, he plays. He plays a baritone like it's an alto saxophone. He he's had some notes that are really up there. <laughs> you should you should you should check him out. He's I don't know I don't know why I just thought of that. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Well, that's yeah, what draws I, a lot of people to the tenor having such a big range. So yeah. If you can control the baritone well enough to do that, then you're onto something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on our first episode of the Intangible Podcast. It was it's great to have you and talk about jazz. Nicholas, I have loved every second. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I've loved it too. Yeah, thank you so much.